You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com everybody welcome to another new episode of questionable material with jack and brian uh, i am jack coming to you from westchester county new york and uh, uh with me as always is my friend brian and where are you right now brian jack i'm in chemish poland mm-hmm chemishal chemishal it's yes, about Chemischel. 30 minutes from jeshuv oh cool cool I, yeah I, you know i thought it was about the 30 minute drive from there yeah uh, so no, you're, uh, so you're the oh yeah no I'm glad you corrected that because I'm sure our listeners are like that's <laughs> bullshit. They're on Google Maps right now. He's a liar. <laughs> I don't like this guy. He's, a liar. He's full of crap. <laughs> Forty three so minutes. Um, what a piece uh, of crap. What? <laughs> what? What is going? Uh, how, and how far away are you right now from the? Um, uh, border of Ukraine, where you have been uh, working, uh, giving humanitarian assistance for about a month. Has it been, Jesus, what's going on? Where's this time going? Uh, yeah, we're about 12 kilometers. Uh, Medica is the border town. That's where uh, Medica, I guess, they keep correcting me, uh, is the border town that we, you know, that we're closest to. But the, the facilities that I'm working at are, are located in Shemesh. Okay. So it's a big warehouse that we turned into a giant kitchen. In a, in a week. It is amazing. It was literally four walls, concrete floor, and that's it. And I, you know, and a garage door suitable for trucks. And yep. now it's a kitchen and at peak, it'll be able to make 150,000 meals a day. Man. Yeah. That's comedy. That's good comedy material. That is good comedy material. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's enough to feed Lena Dunham for a week. <laughs> Come on. But, uh, yeah, we built a, a walk-in a refrigerator, walk-in cooler was built in about two and a half days. Okay. 2,000 square foot cooler. And then 12 convection ovens. They added gas and plumbing and uh, electricity that, that, that we need for the for these ovens and everything. I mean, it's amazing how quickly things turned into uh, a functioning industrial kitchen. It's really crazy. Well, I mean, if, you know, if there's one country that knows how to build gas and ovens, it's Poland. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to disconnect right now. <laughs> no, it's a proud history. You're right. Um, so what? Uh, uh, so tell me. So tell me the- <laughs> it was the Germans. And yeah. I know that because I've been I've been to Auschwitz. Of course, I went there on my honeymoon like normal people. And um, <laughs> in uh, the crematoria, they actually in, in Auschwitz, they, they are branded. They actually have the logo of the company that made them. It's really? a Topfen Sons. Yeah, Topfen Sons. So if you look on the side of the crematoria in, in Auschwitz, on the side in the brick, it says Topfen Sons. And that, that was the company that made it. And you would think like, if, if you know, the German government calls and says, yes, we need um, incredible capacity for burning bodies. You'd, you'd be like, maybe I won't put my logo on that. But these guys <laughs> are like, yeah, sure. Slap it on. Slap it on. Topfen Sons. 28 ovens here, 28 ovens there, 14 over here. Tw- no problem. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Woof. also a weird yeah, business. That's... Like who? 
Who wants to be in that freaking business? Like, what do you do? I build crematoriums. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm a door to door crematorium salesman. Knock knock knock. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> well, do you need to burn bodies? Do you, must you burn things that are, are humans <laughs> at one point, and then you would want them to not be uh, is around? Because uh, I have uh, the perfect thing for you, Topman Sons. <laughs> We're proud to put our name on. I love my uh, sons. <laughs> do you know at uh, in Rockefeller in at Thirty Rock? That's where um. Uh, NBC has their their New York studios um, in right. the in the bowels of 30 Rock. There are giant metal pipes with swastikas on them because uh, in uh, I, I used to work at 30 Rock. And because when um, when the German war machine was stripped down after World War Two and they, you know, they just sort of stripped everything down. I guess they took a lot of their, you know, steel and, and stuff like that to America. And when I guess 30 Rock was being either built or refurbished, they just took the metal pipes and put them in 30 Rock and the swastikas are still there. Are you serious? I thought you were going to tell me they're like an Indian good luck symbol, but you're just telling me they're they're literally swastikas. No, oh, yeah, they're absolutely swastikas. <laughs> Because normally you see a swastika, like, yes, but it's a, it's an Indian good luck symbol. But you're saying, well, I went, I was in Hong Kong once, and they have this hundred foot tall Buddha statue of Buddha. Sure. And right on his chest is a is a swastika, and you know, and it's totally normal because in that culture, like it's a good luck symbol. Yep. But like all the Americans are like, what's going on? Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's that fat, who's that fat Nazi? <laughs> well, is that fat Hitler? <laughs> Oh, Hitler really let himself go. Lost all his hair and his toothbrush mustache. Now he's a big fat man sitting on a mountain. Give us the update on you since we last saw you. Uh, so, you know, we recorded, I guess, uh, only four or five days ago. Uh, so, you know, I'm um, I'm now kind of I've become the bodega man. So at the facility, it's called the Relief Operations Center. And ROC, they call it. And so it's, it's basically the big warehouse with the kitchen in it. It's huge. Um, and then on the side is a warehouse they call the bodega because the company is actually, you know, the, the guy behind the company is this uh, famous Spanish chef, I think Jose Andres or something. And, uh, and so they call the warehouse the bodega. The bodega is where all the, all, the, all the goods that aren't food come. All right. So it's like it's got I have 618,000 spoons and oh I God. have 423,000 forks. And uh, six hundred something thousand bowls and Holy that kind of cow. stuff. So, yeah, no, it's crazy, and uh, you know, it just keeps coming. And I've just become the guy who who's in, kind of in charge of knowing where everything is. And, wow! And so, so everybody just comes to me like Brian. Uh, do you know where I can find thirty five liter? You're like, follow me. You know, like I'll come in and, and I'll bring it and I'll, I'll open up the boxes, break them down, deliver the the stainless steel thermoses that we use for the hot chocolate to give to the refugees. I mean, uh, bring it to the kitchen for the, the Polish ladies working there. They clean all the stuff. And then the, the chefs all will fill it with hot chocolate that they make huge batches. I mean, they, it's crazy. They have these things called paella pans that okay. are like eight feet across and about two wow. feet, three feet deep. And that, this is where they're cooking all the meals. And, and and the food is amazing. Like these guys are really, really good. The food is fantastic. They feed us every lunchtime. Uh, I've never had a bad experience. Like the food is just so good. Uh, so I would like to say that the the Ukrainian refugees are eating better than the Russian soldiers. <laughs> good. Which, which, which makes me very happy. <laughs> that makes me happy too. <laughs> uh, well, good. God knows they deserve it. Um, so is it, uh, you know, as the bodega man, how, how many scratch off tickets do you have? 
you know, there's the Polish lottery is more complicated uh, because I'm not a Polish citizen. I'm not allowed to sell lottery tickets. Oh, okay. I have tried. I've tried. I've, I've tried to get the people, the volunteers, to you know, grease my palm when I give them the the equipment they need. Like yep. a guy came in the other day and said, uh, "Brian, do we need three uh, stirring paddles?" Yeah. And I was like, "I've got stirring paddles." And then I just kind of stood there and I cocked one eye and looked at him, <laughs> and I waited for the you know the the twenty. Yeah, yeah. And and then he slipped me a twenty, but it's a twenty zwati, so in Poland that's like five dollars. Okay, well, because because the dollar's pretty strong here. I bet. So, uh, and we I went out with uh, a few colleagues the other night, and we had dinner, three people. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we had we all had main courses, we all had appetizers. They had a bottle of wine. I had a few beers, and it was eighty dollars. Wow, nice. And yeah, we we're just like, oh, I hope this war lasts forever. <laughs> <laughs> and the COVID you gave them was free, just on <laughs> the, the house. COVID was free. <laughs> COVID free. Yeah, the COVID waves. Yeah, the good thing now is that I, I feel invincible having had COVID. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I'm not getting COVID anytime soon. So cough on me. I've been asking people to cough on me. I just yep. walked down the street. I learned how to say, would you please cough on me in, in Polish? <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right because they kind of look at me weird and then they walk off. Right. Well, but, that's that's on them, I think. Yeah, no, it's a weird culture. There's strange people. And, and, and you're, uh, but, are, you, are you having lots of unprotected sex with now that you're invincible? Yeah, because I, I you know, I, the rule of marriage is if you're in a different country, it's okay to have unprotected sex with people. Um, I don't I didn't know I mean, that. I, I, I draw the line. Okay. At street hookers. Okay. <laughs> you know okay. what I'm saying? I'm not yeah, going to do that. If they're in the street, they're, they're, you know, they're not looking out for cars. They're being stupid. If they're on the sidewalk, not a problem. I'll pull right over and they hop in. Right. When, when the tank pulls up and they're like, yeah. get, get in. Hop in my tank. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good way to take advantage of the strong dollar. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I mean, but there are only, there are only four prostitutes in the whole town of Chemish. <laughs> Yeah, and they're all 57 years old. Isn't that weird? You'd have a small town of four prostitutes, and they're all 57 years old. That's that is strange. Yeah. So yeah, but it's it's just it's a different it's a different world here. It's a different culture. It really is. Yeah. They I guess they haven't gotten um you know it, it, Eastern European uh, countries are usually sort of late to get sort of like cultural things. You know, like they they probably haven't gotten you know like. Uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies yet. <laughs> so, you know, so maybe they just haven't realized that now, uh, you know, prostitutes can be attractive. Well, actually, I mean, Lord of the Rings here. I mean, they, 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 they broke the series down. It's called jewelry demon. <laughs> and, you know, it's, they made it into a, into a three, three season mini series. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's what they aspire for their country to look like at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, they have the Mordor look. Um, uh, uh, so in what other ways, um, in what other ways is, uh, you know, is your warehouse um, sort of like a bodega and, and, and in what other ways are you sort of the bodega man? Well, um, you know, a lot of bodegas have a bodega cat. Yep. That's that, right. That lives on premises and really it's, it's job is kind of like a rat catcher. That's right. Um, I don't have that. I, ha- I have Pavel. Uh, he's a gentleman from Chemish, um, and he, uh, he, I mean, he, he'll walk on all fours if I'm there, if he sees me, I, I, I kind of feel like if I'm not there, he kind of just does the bipedal thing. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and as soon as I walk into my bodega, I watch it. He drops on all fours. He, he, st- he pretends he's meowing in Polish, which is like haga, which is strange because you would think you know, it's not even close to meow. Like we're used to meow. Yeah. Apparently, Polish cats go haga. So he's he's on all fours saying hagach and then complaining uh-huh. about the floors because there's a lot of gravel and so it's hurting his knees. Right. But um, you know, he he claims he's catching rats. Okay. And stuff, but it's it's the closest I have to a bodega cat. Is I mean, is he litter trained? I, he's a literature professor. <laughs> he went to Jagiellonian University, got a PhD in literature. I'm just telling you, the dollar is very strong, and this pays <laughs> this pays really well. Okay, so so a, a lit a, like a prestigious lit professor. Yeah, he's got a doctor. We'll get on all fours, <laughs> catch mice and crap in a corner. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. I, it's it's you know I'm not used to it. It's taken a while to get used to. But I can't when yeah, you have like a human when you have a human bodega cat. You know, you start thinking like I'm uh, kind of arrived. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. You feel pretty good about yourself. So I went to the local uh, hardware store. It's called Castorama. Mm-hmm. And I bought some st- letter stickers. And so above the door, it just says Brian's Bodega. Oh, nice. Yeah, it says Muy Fina, which I think means really good. I mean, do you like, do you, do you run numbers uh, through there? Do you, um, you know, what are the, uh, you know, do you sell, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, f- funky cigarettes to kids? Like, you know, what, what else are you doing in there? Well, you know, you, you're always looking for a, a different angle, a way you can make some money, right? Um, so we have a lot of, we have a lot of these big, they're four by six vinyl signs that basically say humanitarian aid in yeah. multiple languages. Of course. And so, uh, when Pavel's not catching mice, I have him trying to put together like, like pants. I mean, they're, 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 they're weird looking. I mean, they're different. You know, I was inspired. I remember Michael Stipe years ago on SNL, he wore a, a, a whole suit made from federal express envelopes, the Tyvek okay. envelopes. Yep. And that's kind of the look I'm going for. It just says humanitarian assistance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, these vinyl banners. Uh, I haven't sold any yet. Um, I've, I've hung out the pants to sell them, and then people just line up looking for food. So mm. I, I shoo them away. And then, <laughs> you know, I tell them, you know, I, I've learned how to say, you know, I want customers only. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do that like when someone comes in to use the bathroom? Yeah. Well, there, there are two bathrooms. Okay. And, um, it's, it's, they don't, the best thing is they, the bathroom doors don't have locks on them. Mm-hmm, that is good. So, so they just have a sign that on one side, it says in use, the other says it's, uh, you know, uh, don't come in, mm-hmm. but I, I play a funny game called switch the sign. So like somebody will go into the bathroom and then I'll switch the sign around and then I'll call everybody around to kind of stand outside the door. And then somebody will just walk right up, open up the door. And then there's this person just sitting on the throne for That's all the series. And then I just do like, I just start clapping because it reminds yeah. me of the days when I was a busboy at El Torito restaurant and just start clapping. I, 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 we greet you from El Torito. And then, so this person's, you know, partly humiliated because they're on the toilet, they're naked, they're in front of all their peers. And, but also uh, I'm singing a Mexican birthday song and they don't know what's going on. It's not their birthday. It's confusing to them. And that's what I like. That's what I, that's what I like most about this experience. That's great. So, you know, so you must, um, you must be really popular among your, your colleagues and, and, and your bosses. Yeah. Um, they come, I mean, yeah, I have a bunch of different nicknames. I mean, Bodega Man is just one of them, but 
Um, sure. You know, jackass, dipshit. Um, you know, they're, they're local terms of endearment used mostly by okay. Americans and English speaking people. Uh, Bell End, which I don't, I don't, they, they call me the Fresh Prince of Bell End. I'm oh, not that's sure what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, well that's that's a lot. Um, you know what? Uh, how are you feeling? You know, last last we spoke, you did uh, you were laid up with COVID, um, yeah. uh, which was uh, true, unfortunately. Um, are so yeah. you're now? Have you do- have tested double negative and are able to you know be back among the the living? Um, yeah, well, I I've tested negative. So what? You know, this was the thing. So I was testing positive, right? You do the nasal swab, and then you dip it into yep. the thing. And then I, you know, and I kept getting the positives. I'm like, I'm tired of this. I want to go back to work. And so what you do is if you take the, the cotton swab and you dip it in vinegar first, and then you put it in your nose, you get a negative. So I probably, I showed, I walked in there that day and I was just like, Hey, everybody, I'm negative. I'm back. I'm back. You know, I'm here in the, I'm the bodega man's here to help you. <laughs> and, um, and then I was, you know, I was back at it. I mean, a couple of days later, we, almost all the people had COVID <laughs> Um, cause I don't know what they're doing at night, you know, who knows, but yeah, um, they're, they're being irresponsible. Probably they'll be back. I mean, right now the facility, you know, it could make a lot of, of, of food, uh, but it's really just me. So it's yeah, kind of like, you know, you know just I, you I, I'm selling like, $3, like, just you selling $3 Kit Kats to refugees. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I mean, these people will not pony up and I, you know, I've, I've lowered the prices multiple times. Oh, that's the no, market. No. I now have the prices on duct tape so I can just pull it off the wall and then just put a new price on. If I, oh. if I feel like the mark, it's basically what the market dictates. Sure. But uh, right now, you know, I'm, I'm generating six to seven meals a day. <laughs> um, you know, and three I, of those are for yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I need three hots and a cot. Um, but then I'll, I'll put the other four meals or so, uh, three or four meals in the back of the van Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I'm, these vans are all stick. I mean, I don't, Eastern Europe, it's all stick. I don't right. drive stick, you know, it's, it's a, so it's a jerky thing. And, you know, by the time I get to where I'm going to help everybody, it's a bloody mess in the back of the van. So I just basically back up. I open up the, back, the van doors and I mm-hmm. just, I, I lean and look at it, look at everybody and just say, have at it. Oh my Go gosh. Ooh, yeah. That can't be good. Uh, that's, I mean, I, I've, yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand what they're yelling at me. I'm not familiar with the language. You, uh, you know, Ukrainian is difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of, there's some, but you know, I, I get the sense that they're just, they, they're not wanting what I'm serving. Right. Well, I mean, do you, do you keep just shouting like, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. That's I have it on my shirt. <laughs> um, so l- let me ask you this. Um, you know, you texted me a couple of days ago and I didn't understand what it meant, but you said, um, Pavel got in back of van, a huge mess. What did that mean? Well, uh, Pavel got in back in the back of the van, like a cat, like he just jumped up, he left up into the cat, yeah, into the van, yeah. like, like a cat. And, mm-hmm. and then I told him I was going to go for, we we're going to go for a spin. And then, you know, I'm jerky on this stuff. I'm sliding around. Uh, and so then I pull up in front of the center and, you know, trying to help people. And I open up the back door and he's covered in goulash. <laughs> he's like a freak. And he's just sitting there and he's kind of, he's bloodied. He'd been, he'd been sliding around. I'm very jerky on the clutch. I don't know what I'm doing with a manual. He was kind of confused. Uh, but then he kind of leapt out of the car 
of the back of the van like a mm-hmm. cat covered in goulash. Right. And a lot of <laughs> what a lot of people went back to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. They said Polish people, you crazy, and they and they just turned around and they just went back. <laughs> You've stemmed the tide of the immigration so that they're I going back. Like, wow. Yeah, and I mean, all it takes is a Polish guy covered in goulash and blood to basically discourage you from wanting to escape your country when it's being attacked by maniacs. Man. Yeah, I think I should get an ambassadorship. <laughs> Well, you know, Brian, I'm just I'm glad that you're uh, safe and that you're uh, healthy again. I'm glad that vinegar uh, really cured you uh, of your positive tests. And it sounds like things are going, you know, okay. considering the horrible situation you find yourself in. Things are going, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, you have people have different. It's really interesting, especially at night. You're talking to folks and you're kind of chilling. And there's really a lot of perspective on, on what is going on here. Um, it was actually, it was interesting. One of the volunteers who came was, I guess he was a skeptic okay, of, of what was going on in Ukraine. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting. And he kind of came to kind of s- suss out what was going on and he left knowing what's going on. <laughs> he was very convinced. Wow. So he, and, and I, because we do so many darn bits, um, right. even my buddy Ryan, whose house uh, I recorded yesterday, even he is telling me like when you were telling your, your story about the German guy who was harassing you, you know, through like yeah. the first half of the story, he was like, okay, is this a bit or is this real? No, and it's like, it Oh my God, we, we, we can't right. tell real stories. It's our own damn right. fault. No, it's, I know. That's the, you know, just, yeah, no, the Germans are, those are real. Those guys are Dirk and Karsten. That would be etched in my, main, in my memory forever. <laughs> it's very um, important. So we had to uh, fix the car in Germany. Our, our crematorium uh, <laughs> making company is uh, <laughs> very particular about uh, the scratches on the bumpers. The Polish uh, people could not fix cars properly. That's why we kill them. <laughs> um but anyway, so anyway, so so so, but this is true. A a um, a skeptic, someone like a conspiracy theory guy, yeah, sort of volunteered just to be like, "Is this real?" I think he wanted to get close to it and and, and see if it was really what people were saying it is. And and then wow. he left thinking, "Yeah, I guess so." And then last night I had a conversation with a Ukrainian woman. She's a doctor, an eye surgeon, and um, and she's you know she came to help and. Uh, and it was just, you know, we're, we're discussing, you know, what should we do? And it's really, mm-hmm. you know, because it's really hard to talk to somebody who's got family. I mean, you know, one of the guys I work with, his family is Mariupol and Mariupol has been leveled. Right. It's been utterly destroyed. And, you know, talking to them and, and, and being, you know, we're like, yeah, oh, you know, no fly zone is kind of a bad idea because, uh, you know, it, it kind of escalates things. But the, the more I see them and talk to them, it's really hard for me to defend the idea of not intervening yeah. because uh, what's going on is terrible. It's, <sighs> it's, it's, it, it's just awful. And, yeah. and, and to see it firsthand, you start thinking like, I, I'm having a problem just sitting here saying, yeah, let's, ah, we don't want to escalate things. Maybe we should, you know, because it certainly looks like the Russians have no intention of, of not, you know, of, of doing anything normal. I mean, they're just destroying everything. Right. Which is kind of what they do. That's their tactic. Yeah. Man alive. Um, Com- well, you comedy know, uh, podcast. 
Comedy podcast. Well, you know, all right. So, you know, speaking of uh, of atrocities, um, you, you must, uh, you know, even over there in uh, on the Ukraine border, everyone must be talking about uh, the Oscars from Sunday night with the big moment where Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Uh, is that uh, is that the the buzz? It is. It is the yeah. It is the draw. <laughs> it's the <Yeah>. draw. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. There, there's a. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the people coming here now they want to emigrate to Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's they, interesting. They want, yeah. They're like, oh, finally, uh, somebody who'll defend uh, his wife from a joke. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've been looking for that for so long, and so they're they're like, right. this, this is where I want to live. I want to live in California, Hollywood, United States. That's what they say. Sure. Literally, I mean, they come right over. They'll come up to me. And they'll say American. I'm like, how do you, how can you tell? And it's like because well, your your pants are down around your ankles. I'm like, oh, okay. I wasn't paying attention. I got distracted. And and they'll say, you know, I want to go to Los Angeles, Hollywood, United States, and live because, um, you know, there a man defends his wife from joke. See, that's great. All these uh, Ukrainian men are doing is um, defending their their women from uh, bombs. Right. And that's, you know, it's, it was just, you know, it's cool and stuff, but, you know, they really want, they like a guy who will walk up in the middle of a, of a televised show and, and smack a guy across the face for making a joke. Cause See, you know, cause they I, get you know, the words are violence. Thing, words are violence. And, and it pisses me off when comedians make jokes and I don't like when they do that. And, you know, <laughs> their jokes are violence and they should hurt us. <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's definitely true. Well, so yeah. so obviously you you saw what happened, um, you know, on the Oscars, and and I know yeah. you you are kind of the biggest fan of the Oscars I've ever known. You've written a bunch of books on on the uh, yep. on the ceremonies, and it it dawned on me that you know some of the other controversies that maybe um, you know weren't televised, but sort of happened more backstage. I was wondering if you could sort of tell us about some of the other you know. Um, controversies that have happened at the Oscars that are sort you know might might even be crazier than what happened uh, on Sunday night, but haven't gotten the press yet. Would you mind just sort of sharing some of those stories? Sure, yeah. Now, uh, now I remember you telling me back when we worked together that uh, in I think it was 1994 when uh, Tom Hanks was nominated and won for Forrest Gump. John Travolta was also nominated uh, for Best Actor uh, for Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction and obviously lost to Hanks. And he did not take it well and confronted him at, at an after show party. Can you sort of tell us what happened? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Travolta was livid <laughs> that he, you know, that he did not get the Oscar. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and he and he barges into this party. Okay. And he sees Tom Hanks and he says, Oh, excuse me, are you Retardo Montalban? <laughs> That's ugly. Yeah. And it was just like mean. It's like mean spirited. And and Tom Hanks is a gentleman. He's very he's a very nice guy. And he just turned said, excuse me. He's a, and John Tavolta said, Do I stutter? Are you man Retardo Montalban? And Tom Hanks is like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, Your your character is so stupid. He's an idiot. <laughs> and uh, Tom Hanks was like, well, I mean, that's the, it was Forrest Gump. I mean, it's it's my character. And so it's like you know, a box of chocolates. And John Travolta literally produced a box of chocolates. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but they're all the same. They were Hershey's Kisses. <laughs> and it's like, like, you said you never know what's inside. Every single one of these is the same. 
And they're all an approximation <laughs> of chocolate because Hershey's does a terrible job making chocolate. It's garbage. It's got high fructose corn syrup. It's not real chocolate. And he just sat there chopping it all, all up. And he said, there's nothing, there's no different pieces of chocolate in this box of chocolates. And then he, he like, he, he got his hand, John Travolta, like, you know, like, was about to smack Tom Hanks in the face. Right. And then uh, he saw an image of L. Ron Hubbard, who was an incredibly mediocre science fiction writer who created mm-hmm. a religion for lunatics. And right. and then and John Travolta just kind of like, you know, his eyes watered and he unbuckled his pants and pulled them down <laughs> as he's been instructed to do. And then he had a he kind of had to come to Jesus. Uh huh. Well, not Jesus. Then John was just kind of taken out of the moment. He pleasured himself right there in front of everybody <laughs> at the after party. Uh, started a lot of rumors and stuff. It was really that weird. is that is really strange. That's a uh, that's a strange yeah. way to diffuse the situation. Now Ricardo Montalban was at that party too, which that must have been confusing. Yeah, well, I mean, Ricardo was just kind of like, he just kept walking. I was like, was he making fun of my name? That's all he would say, like in a very nice, gentlemanly way. Was he making fun of my name? I feel like he was making fun of my name. And everybody just said, no, no, Ricardo, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's not what he's saying. Man, that's that's strange. You know, I mean, you know, considering Travolta's, you know, you know, he, he's been playing the role of a straight man for decades, you know, yeah. some of his finest work. But beyond that, I would say Vincent Vega was probably his second finest work. So I understand Travolta being angry. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's something about Scientologists that when they, you know, when they don't get what they want, they just get very angry. Right. It's, it's chapter right. 17 in Dianetics. So like if you don't get <laughs> what you want, get pissed off. Okay. Well, that's. Yeah, I, I got to read the book. I, I haven't, I haven't paid enough to uh, to be a level five yet. So, no, um, keep your fingers there. crossed. You gotta, yeah, you thank you. Clear out your clear out your thetans. Yep, I sure will. Now, I, I remember um, in 1995, I believe, uh, when Susan Sarandon won for Dead Man Walking, um, yep. Meryl Streep was nominated for Bridges of Madison County, um, and they, uh, I, I guess. Meryl Streep uh, and Susan Sarandon really sort of hate each other and uh, they were trying to sort of sabotage each other throughout the night. Can you sort of tell us what was going on in the audience during the, uh, during the awards with those two ladies, those two Queens of cinema? Yeah. So like Susan Sarandon uh, was, was going to give her acceptance speech Mm -hmm. and uh, Meryl Streep had placed a beer trap. They kind of cut a lot of this out of the footage. So you see Susan kind of walking down the aisle. She's headed towards the stage. And then suddenly she this shocked look on her face and the camera pans down and her leg is caught in a beer trap. There's blood streaming out of it. Uh, people are appalled. Will Smith was laughing. He thought it was very funny. And and, and she's screaming out in, in pain and agony. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, they pause the whole procession and, and they, they pause the broadcast. I don't know if you remember this, but they put on Tom and Jerry cartoons. I- I do. I remember that was the Tom and Jerry year. Yeah. Yeah. So for t- about 12 minutes. So in that 12 <laughs> minutes, they, they, uh, they pulled open the beer trap. They wrapped up her leg with gauze and, okay. and they kind of, and, and I don't know if you remember them I and mean, she kind of stumbles up the stairs. Like, you know, she's walking very slowly. It's very pained. And she was standing at the podium. She was kind of confused and, and having a hard time focusing on her acceptance speech. And she said, she ultimately thanked, I'm losing a lot of blood. She's like, I, I want to thank, I'm losing a lot of blood. 
And then, you know, they, they pause it again for another four or five minutes of Tom and Jerry cartoons to get her off stage. <laughs> and then they moved on. Wait, I, I, it's tough because I, I know her agent is, I can't feel my leg. It's a, an Israeli yeah. guy. So it's, the, yeah. that was also a little confusing. Yeah, no, it was really, you know, he, cause he, you know, the poor guy, you, you saw him light up in the audience and then people kind of turned to him and then he realized, oh, it wasn't about him. Oh, he was probably waiting for that moment his whole life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like Kevin Hart, you know, it's just, you don't always get what you want. <laughs> That's so true. Meryl Streep is vicious. She can be mean. I mean, she's a talented actress, but she is a, a, the queen of beer traps is what they call her in Hollywood. <laughs> See, I didn't I know. Mean, she, this is why. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. No, she, I mean, she will get her way with beer traps. She's, you know, she is, is known to be a, an aficionado of the, the leg capturing arts. That's insane. Now I remember in 98 when she lost, um, again, she lost again. Uh, this time she was playing, um, uh, she was in the movie one true thing and she lost to Gwyneth Paltrow for Shakespeare in love. And, yeah. um, I, I know she was, uh, vengeful apparently. Can you sort of really quickly tell us about that? Cause this Meryl Streep is a real piece of garbage. Uh, she, she's a, a vicious, vicious, talented actress, but a vicious yep. person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was living at Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, she went to Gwyneth's website, Goop, <laughs> and she ordered 650,000 vagina candles. <laughs> and you should have seen Gwyneth light up. Gwyneth was so happy. Uh, she was running up and down the, the warehouse that, that she has that, that doesn't serve meals. It serves vagina candles. And she was saying, <laughs> we had the biggest sale of our lives, everybody. 650,000 candles. Um, and I'm so happy. This is the greatest day of my life. And so those people were working that all night long. They pulled this huge shift. They were work, They were building these candles. And then yeah. Merrill canceled the order. Oh, my God. Canceled the that's order. That's amazing. That's, Did a charge that's back. crazy. Claimed your credit card was hacked by, uh, ironically, Russians. They're just, they're just bad at everything. They just do all the bad things. Yeah, they really do. Man. So what did, what did Gwyneth Paltrow wind up doing with those 650,000 vagina candles? She built a huge one, just a single huge one. She just melted them all down and it's still burning to this day. That's that's what's lighting uh, the, the uh, John Kennedy's grave, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, huh. you know, some people kind of get it when they see it. They're like, wait a second. That looks like it's like, no, it's the eternal flame. Just trust me. <laughs> it still but, burns to this day. That's amazing. Those in the know call it the eternal vag. <laughs> and uh, look, I mean, I, I hate to beat a dead horse, uh, you know, which is I'm sure what Meryl Streep would like to do because she's such a sick son of a gun. But um, she messed with Kate Winslet in 2008 when Streep lost again. Meryl Streep was in doubt and I thought she was better in doubt than Kate Winslet was in the reader. But so Kate Winslet wins. Um Anne Hathaway is nominated that year. Angelina Jolie is nominated that year. Melissa Leo. So apparently Meryl Streep gets all these women together to get, you know, like to sort of like, you know, do some sort of like, a, you know, almost like a mean girls type of thing against Kate Winslet with Meryl Streep yeah. being the queen bee, the, the, the leader. What, like, what happened there? And then, then we can move on to something else. 
Yeah, also Meryl uh, sent out invites for what was called the Super Fun Party. <laughs> and so Kate got this this very ornate invite. It was delivered by Federal Express. It was very fancy. It was okay. like a hedge fund millionaire's, you know, invite to a bar mitzvah or something. It was just really over the top. Right. Yeah, of course. And, and so, so it comes and, you know, she opens it up and says, you're invited to a super fun party Saturday night at, you know, 10 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. Car will pick you up. And uh, so she was super excited. She told all her friends she's going to a super fun party as a famous actress. Uh, yeah. A limousine, a limousine pulled up in front of her house. She went, got inside the limousine, the silence, they just drove her. And then when she gets out, it, it, they brought her into a, an abandoned parking garage <laughs> in Detroit and it opens up. And then Meryl's standing wow. there with a bat. Yeah. She's standing there with a bat and Kate wins is kind of looking around. She's trying to figure out what the, what the gig is. She's been to a lot of parties. Uh-huh. And, uh, this yeah. didn't feel like a normal party. And then she gets whacked upside the head with a baseball bat. God and Mer- and Meryl Streep was like, "Do it, girls!" And then suddenly, out of the darkness, come uh, Meryl's posse. Yeah, and, and Hathaway they, and the they, rest. Yeah, and they they literally tarred and, and feathered her, and they they poured tar in her. They stuck her with feathers. They rolled around. They kicked her. They beat her, and then uh, she was chased out of town by a Polish guy who thought he was a cat. So he he saw this is like oh this is a giant like a, a, a bird or chicken or something and, and as a cat he wanted to chase it yeah so he just chased he chased poor uh, what's her name uh, Kate <laughs> poor Kate he chased poor Kate and it was just it was a scene it was a scene but that's when I knew yeah. that he was the guy I wanted to run my bodega <laughs> well you know frankly I mean. I know this is going to be uh, an unpopular thing to say, but frankly, Kate Winslet had it coming for not sharing the the piece of plywood with uh, with Jack. You yeah. know, like there was room to save Jack yeah. in the icy waters. Uh, you know, uh, as the Titanic sank. You know, she she kept saying, oh, "You know, I'd love to have you on this floating thing, but I'm pleasantly plump, and I just don't have enough room." And he's like, no, you know, I can. I'm sure I could. We could figure something out. Maybe I could even give you some body warmth. And she's like, no, a pleasantly plump person needs to to have their own space. Don't right. invade my space. This is my experience, my lived experience. And so <laughs> she allowed him to have his not lived experience. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a not lived experience there at the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, lesson wow. was, was learned by her, but not him. Yeah, I, well, I remember how you know angry I was at seeing Kate Winslet. You know that that pig; she's a size six. <laughs> yeah, really. Just, just went. She, I mean, she went all out. Yeah, just stop caring. Yeah, stop clearly. Caring. I mean, if you're if you're up to a size six, you know, if if, if you're almost like a, a normal body type, then you are too fat for my liking. That's right. You'll never be on the I, pages of that magazine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Uh, last story. You know, we're going to go back over to the men. 2005 was a unique year because in mm-hmm. the best actor category, all of the best actors were effing crazy. And apparently there was like, you know, one of the weirdest, creepiest moments uh, in, in Oscars history. I was wondering if you could just tell us about it. Here's who was nominated. Philip Seymour Hoffman, who won for Capote. Terrence Howard. Heath Ledger. 
for Brokeback Mountain, Joaquin Phoenix for Walk the Line. Mm. So I, I so I, I know something really uh, funky happened with those guys. Could you just tell us that last story, and then maybe we'll we'll call it a day. Absolutely. So thanks. Um, Heath Ledger mm-hmm. uh, cornered the guy who won. Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's right. So, uh, so Philip Seymour Hoffman wins the Oscar, and Heath Ledger is is incensed, and right. kind of corners corners Philip backstage, and says, "You saw my movie, right?" And Philip Seymour Hoffman said, "Yeah, of course I did." And he goes, "Okay, so you know I know what to do." <laughs> and and Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, "What? What do you? I don't get. I don't understand what you're getting at." He's like, "I think you know. I know what to do." And what? Philip Seymour Hoffman was like, are you making, are you threatening me? And he's just like, he's just like, no, I'm going to rape you. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, that is a technically a threat. And then he realized what he had done. And he, he walked it back with Joaquin oh. Phoenix, <laughs> who said, you know, he, he strolled in and said, I'm walking this back. You've walked the line. You know how to walk it back. <laughs> and so, you know, so Joaquin uh, basically said, listen, uh, I'm a little upset about losing the Oscar to you. And mm-hmm. I feel like I want you to meet my brother river, <laughs> uh, which, you know, some might understand is a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Because he looked, river had been he, dead for 15 years. That's right. So he looked over at, um, Heath Ledger yep. and gave like a, a knowing look and nodded. Yeah. And then they made the universal gesture for being raped to death. <laughs> Oh, that, that classic, that classic yep. signature. You see all the kids yep. on the playground doing that one. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then um, didn't they end the night by uh, all taking ayahuasca together? Yep. They took ayahuasca and then they all had crazy experiences. They vomited into one another's mouths and then learned a lot about themselves. Uh, and they're, you know, <laughs> wandered the jungle naked, screaming. <laughs> Covered in in blood and goulash. <laughs> so it's it's basically <laughs> so it's basically what Tom Cruise does, just sober. Yeah, they call it a, 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 a cruisy evening. But you got to take the ayahuasca to sort of get there. You got to get to be there. that crazy. Takes, yes, oh, like boy. leap off the sofa, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's. I'm so in love. That, it's so believable. Yeah, yeah, yes, he was so in love with that woman. Totally with a yeah, woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forget which one um, it was. Uh, Katie Holmes. Oh, good for her. Yeah, yeah, real good for her. Um, good for her bank account. So that's uh, well, I guess that. Gosh, that's it. Um, uh, you know that. You know, there's there's more we could talk about, but you know, I, let's save since we're not basically editing this episode. Uh, I yeah. think we should just call it call it a day. Call it a day. Call it a day. Well, uh, you know, Brian, um, you know, on behalf of myself and Ricardo Montalban, we want to wish you uh, good luck and continue to stay safe out there, buddy. You know, I'm staying safe. I do keep my gas tank full. Okay. Just in case you have to hightail it out of here. Sure. Don't think we're at that point yet, but you never know. Uh, is that something that is truly on your mind? It's something people have been talking about. They're certainly yeah. kind of worried. 
Um, but, wow. uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I, you know, kill Putin, please. Somebody kill him. I want to come home. Please kill him. Aw. Well, you are, um, in all seriousness, uh, you are amazing for being over there and for helping these people and, um, for representing our podcast. It feels like the two of us are over there doing all this work. What what, what makes you happy? It makes me very happy to do this and and to just be doing some, be a point of light and all this darkness. Yep. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Makes me right. I'm happy with it. I, please kill Putin. Somebody kill him. I want to go home. Please to kill him. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's let, let's say goodnight on that note. And um, Brian, okay. let's we're just gonna we're just gonna fade out on um, on you uh, begging for uh, the death of Putin. So so go ahead. G- Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll tune in again next week. Please kill him. I want to do this from a normal microphone. Please kill Putin. He has to die. That's why you want him dead? Because <laughs> of the sound quality of your of your podcast? It's definitely important to me. <laughs> also to stop all the other things. But he must die. Because <laughs> my microphone is not good here. Make him go away. Send him uh, to river, as we say. Make him see River Phoenix. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. 